think that's why people eventually look for people to partner with and work for for the long term because you really don't know a person until you spend 12 hours a day with them. So so trust, yeah, it's an important thing and I think you build it in time with experience. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 53. I'm Leslie Shannon. And I'm Elise Siebert. Today we are speaking with actress-filmmaker Galia Barkle. We talked to her about her feature film Mia premiering at the Soho International Film Festival. European filmmaking. And filmmaking as therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mm, yes. <laughs> right. We can get excited. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How was it making a film both in, like, kind of bringing two cultures together, like like the American side in the film and also the Israeli side and two languages as well? Um, so, yeah, I don't know happen organically because I wanted to write I mean it all came from the characters I wanted to write an Israeli uh, character who is in Brooklyn not at all autobiographical and it was like it just turned out to, and 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 actually most of the film was supposed to be yeah most of the film is English but then there are like moments where she she has to confront her 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 life at home and it's kind of interesting what it does it's also as a as an actor it's interesting for me to see how I change when I speak both languages and people pointed that out to me that when I speak Hebrew my voice becomes it's almost like I'm I'm a kid again like I talk more from place of a kid and when I talk as an American I only it's language I, I learned more as an adult so yeah, so the language has a real weight. I feel that when the movie transitions to the Hebrew scene, everything becomes more intense. And it's also like Israelis say it as it is. So it's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's yeah. Like very more direct. Straightforward, yeah. It, that's so interesting because they talk about how language, there's different paths in the brain. And so for you as an actor to kind of embody like a different persona I mean actors talk about that even with accent work like taking on mm-hmm. a new accent how it changes the f- not just vocally but the physicality as well yeah yeah totally it's like putting on a costume I, I feel like yeah I, it was also important to me as an actor to to like I never actually I never really acted in Hebrew before oh, I did wow. this film I think maybe I took a couple of classes in Israel but I really started acting here so it was like well I wonder how it's gonna be to feel comfortable and like not trying to you know conceal my accent and just not think about it just speak my language it's freeing in a way I've also heard from other people who um, have English as a second language or a third or whatever language it is, um, that there are certain words that you say in your native tongue that like sit in a different place in you and they have a different, like Mm. more visceral meaning than words that are English, which are, they don't sit in that same place because that's not what your memory and your experience as as a child and everything comes from that other place with those words sitting in did you feel that at all totally especially as a writer I feel like I have so much more freedom in English in a way and it's also 
English, I think it's also a softer language. You can say things like Hebrew is much more direct in the way it's in the syntax and the way it's structured. It's just, it's just harder to soften things in Hebrew. So that gave me the freedom to write, to experiment more with writing. But at the but but it's also kind of a way to not confront certain things for me. So yeah, it's a double-edged sword. I guess. You got to do both. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually, I think that I, I don't even remember. I think that I wrote the Hebrew scenes in English at first because I was like submitting into grants and all. And I, like I said, it will be in Hebrew, but it was in English. Um, yeah, but when it, yeah, when we, when, when I translated to Hebrew, it came to life, definitely. So writing, directing and acting in your feature, what was, what were some of the challenges that you faced or some of the lessons that you learned? Cause that's a lot of hats to wear for yeah. the project. I, I didn't really plan to direct it. I was like, I'm not going to do it myself. Um, <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> but then it somehow happened that I like I had such a clear vision of how I wanted it to look and I studied filmmaking and I said like, yeah, I'm just going to go all the way with it. But I can say that as an actor, since I wrote it, I it wasn't as difficult even though I was directing myself. But what was difficult was the giving permission part. You know, like sometimes you just need your director to tell you, you can like, don't worry about anyone. Just sit here on the bench, take your time take 10 minutes, you know, don't even try anything, just experiment. And I didn't feel com like comfortable. It was really hard for me to do that as a director, to give my myself that permission. Um, and also, but, but what I can say is that when you direct and you produce and you're on set, you're so on all the time like like because as an actor you often just sit around and wait and then the energy drops but when you're when you're kind of managing the set uh you are and then you have to act you're like you're like very in the moment you have like energy to channel wherever you want to channel it like even if you're frustrated frustrated it doesn't matter it's like you have something to work with yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. That is a that's super <laughs> positive way to look at it. For me, I'm like, I would be like, I am overwhelmed. I'm like, well, I have all this energy. <laughs> yeah, no, I was very overwhelmed. <laughs> I was very overwhelmed. I, I, luckily, I had um, I, I had a uh, first AD who was, she is a, the exact opposite of who I am. Like, she's very... Um, she feels very comfortable with people. She's a people person. So she would just like, whenever I needed to make an announcement, I would just like say, hey, hey Julia, can you can you tell everyone to just like be quiet for a moment? So she was really good at communicating and making things move along and, you know, keeping everyone sane relatively. So, yeah, it's a lot of help from a lot of people. So when you're wearing all of those hats, having people on your team that you really trust is super important. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and I mean, I think that's why people eventually look for people to partner with and work for for the long term, because you really don't know a person until you spend 12 hours a day with them. And like, <laughs> you, like, and, and, um, <laughs> and yeah, every, so, so trust, yeah, it's an important thing. And I think you build it in time with experience. And yeah. 
Did you have um, inspiration for writing the scripts? Um, yeah, I think that it was something that I needed to resolve with myself and all those years of therapy just didn't work. So <laughs> <laughs> I just needed, I don't know, I was like, yeah, I'll dedicate three years to figuring this out. Um, so I, I left Israel we, really young when I went after my military service, which is like mandatory in Israel. So, and when I left, I was super lost and confused and I didn't know who I was. And I felt like I didn't like who I was. And I also felt like the Israeli mentality wasn't what it was like feeling at home with so I I had this dream of going to like a like a cosmopolitan city where I can be anonymous and just like be and walk the streets and like I had this image of like something very charming and I thought that like if I could only like detach myself from the conditioning of my bringing and my and the Israeliness and all the expectations I could maybe reveal like a magical better me that is just waiting to you know pop out and um, so then I moved to Paris, and that's where I studied film. And Paris wasn't exactly the most accepting place, um, but it was a very special period in my life. And then I moved to New York. Um, but yeah, what I kind of realized was, yeah, I, I don't think that I'll ever find this better self. <laughs> Maybe I should just, just drop the idea of myself as a concept altogether. Maybe like why why am I look why am I constantly looking to tell a story about myself? Maybe maybe it's not maybe it's all an it's always like you're going from one illusion to another. We tell ourselves narratives to keep ourselves sane. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah, from the last young Israeli person. I, so so I think I I kind of in time like a decade has passed, but in time I I think that I. I was able to let go of things that limited me, like beliefs and, and ways of being, but um, I didn't gain as much as I thought that I would. I would just like, mostly it was just removing the burden. Um, and that's, I guess, and that what made me want to write that film about someone who is in that in-between period when you're struggling with, you're not where you were, but you're not where you're. You're want not, to be. Yeah, yeah, or you don't know where you want to be, or, uh, or you don't even believe in wanting anymore. Um, and what is there in between? What is that vacuum? And in life, we usually fast forward those periods because we hate being in that limbo. But I think that there is so much opportunity there to because like life is most vivid when we're kind of lost when like that's where I think and and I wanted to write a film where what happens internally is almost more important or visible than what happens externally so she kind of takes a time off time out of her life but um, while nothing is happening a lot is happening that helps her move on having that space to, yeah to kind of work through that stuff um, having studied film in Paris and like Europe, European filmmaking, what are some of the big differences you notice between American filmmakers and European filmmakers? 
So um, I think my experience is very limited and kind of misleading because uh, when I studied in, studied in Paris, I studied uh, a more, it was more theory and criticism. And so it was very, very intellectual and it was the most stimulating intellectual experience of my life. It was amazing and it helped me. And I really think that in film schools, I mean, that should definitely be a big part of it because... Learning to do the thing is something you learn when you do it. Anyway, you can't learn, learn it like so much at school, but um, but 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 um, learning how to think about film is important, I think. Um, and so that that was like something very substantial I got there. And then when I I moved to New York actually to finish my I I, I participated in an exchange student students exchange program and I got to New York to finish my studies it was the last semester and was it was the exact the exact opposite it was very hands-on we made films we wrote scripts we did production we acted that's how I got into acting I started to like really do projects and it was wonderful as well just in a totally different way so it was like less heavy less you know it wasn't like and it's sacred it was just like go and play and try try things um so I was really glad that I got to experience those both both of the styles and from like as a viewer watching I mean European films still and like it's a general crazy generalization but um uh, there's something that attracts me in European film that I see more in European films that are less plot and action driven they're more um concept driven or aesthetics driven i i think so that it, it's just like as a viewer personally it speaks to me more than something that is about a story or a real story i don't care as much about plots so more like like how uh, ditto talked about like meditations on like particular on people and on particular times in your life as opposed to this clear-cut beginning middle end yeah 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 no I can see that yeah I can definitely it it's interesting that you said um when you were studying film in Paris how intellectualized it was and to to think about it because the European films that I've seen that's what I think they want you to really contemplate life or contemplate what, whatever they're trying to share, like an emotion more, which kind of reminds me a lot of my concert dance work where mm. where it was very much driven by not storytelling necessarily, but like communicating feelings or thoughts or ideas to like leave the audience with something, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's totally how I feel about it. It's like, it's very cerebral, but at the end of the day, you leave with the strong feeling that sticks even at, like most of the effect of the film is way after you watched it and and I think they kind of they make you feel a certain feeling in order to make you maybe absorb a certain worldview but it's very subtle they don't tell you they sh yeah they make you have an experience mm -hmm. and that's very attractive and as um yeah f to me um, how how did it play out in dance? Um, I I think it was more of just 
because the audience can take away whatever they want from dance, right? Like you can present something and try to take the audience there. And I mean, it's the same thing with films too. Some people are like, I hate it. I didn't get it. Some people love it and are like feel connected to it. Um, but I feel like with dance, there was more exploration with like thoughts and ideas and concepts versus like having to tell a story X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's which so was a transition from like moving from the ballet world, which is very much, you know, a lot of classical ballet is storytelling into the contemporary world, which was more exploring emotions or concepts or ideas. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah. Was there any reason in particular that you focused on your character being um, in like an injured dancer, dancer whose identity had been around dancing and now that it wasn't? Was there any reason that you chose dance or was that just the vehicle for the story? It was a vehicle. I, I, I always loved dancing as a non-professional and there's something so absolute about dancing. I wanted to pick something that is really doesn't like affects your whole life when you lose it. And I know that dancers, uh, I don't remember how it's called. There is an organization that is dedicated to dancers who had to quit. Uh, don't remember right now, but it's like, I, I, I know what you're talking about too. And I can't <laughs> think of the name of it. Like we'll remember it at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I, from the little research I did, and I, I don't know that much about dance, but um I know that it's, it, it affects your whole routine as a way you live your life and that your body is the instrument. It's so, it takes over everything. So when you lose it, it's, you really, your sense of self is really um, threatened and you have to ask yourself, so who am I without that story? Who am I without that identity? Um, and that's a place of growth, I think. But for a dancer, it's a much more, much more of a struggle, I think, that it would be for um, maybe another profession or another identity. It, it very, I mean, being an injured dancer in my past, it was <laughs> yeah. like very much is your whole identity. And mm. there's something about training for so many hours of a day and then not being able to. And like that, that like, it's like, you know, not being able, like seeing it and not being able to have it and seeing, you know, your peers around you keep growing. And, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. And actually when the scene where she's in the coffee shop with her friend, it reminded me of, I, so I was out for like eight months in college in a conservatory. And I remember one of my girlfriends and it was so sweet. She like brought me, she would like come visit me because I was like on crutches and couldn't get around campus, but she'd always bring me like a brownie or a mm. cookie and it would just infuriate me. It was like such, she was trying to like help me just like your friend in the cafe. Like she's trying to be helpful, but it was like, that's not what I need right now. Like I, I can't exercise. I can't move my body and you're bringing me sugar. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Like it's just it's this weird, it was, you know, and you go through like a weird depression and a weird, like, it's just, it's crazy. And then like, and not just with myself, but seeing friends, like the training that happens when you are allowed to start like rebuilding those muscles. Mm. And sometimes people just like go too fast, too quickly and, you know, 
it's just because they want it so bad. There's, I don't know, it's really, it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, and the whole idea that you can fix it or you need to, it's like either accept it or fix it. It's kind of very, yeah. people don't know what to do with crisis situation yeah. so they try and, to and help people you. don't think it's that big of a deal like really? people kind of yeah they kind mm. of are like you know you're not gonna dance forever anyway you know like uh, it's this we- yeah. weird and maybe that's an american thing with the arts kind of being held less than other professions mm. i don't know but i you know like it's it's it was kind of interesting how people didn't really know yeah, yeah, it's surprising. And I hear a lot of stories about dancers who had to retire earlier than they would. And it's always heartbreaking. It is, it is. Especially, I mean, the dancers too, you start at such a young age. That's the other, I think another reason why it's like such an identity is because as a child, it's an identity you've had since you were a child. And right. like, it's, it's can't so, go to birthday yeah. parties because I have to go to dance class. I can't hmm. go you know, on my family vacation because, you know, I have summer dance camp or, you know, so it's like interesting that it's like so ingrained. Most yeah. people don't choose a career until you right. know, maybe, maybe in, you know, high school you discover what you want to do. But a lot of dancers have known they were going to be dancers since they were children. So funny you say that because part of the inspiration for um, there, there is a little girl in, in the film who is a prodigy, but she's she's a violinist, and um, I, I work for a nonprofit um, that supports Israeli artists and they give scholarships. And the whole thing is it's only based on excellence, no, no other parameters, which is great. And uh, they support mainly kids, teens, and very young adults um, in different fields in the arts. And I have these mixed feelings about it because I play the piano since I was five and it was an identity thing too. But my parents never pushed me to really like be a professional and like practice 10 hours a day. And I see those kids who are like young adults are so serious and they're so dedicated. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, on one hand, it's wonderful. On the other hand, it's like, yeah, you build a whole identity at the age of seven and you're so you're so attached to it that you don't see anything else. And as a kid, I, I mean, yeah, it's complicated. That's all you know, right? When, yeah. when that's the only world you know is getting up, whether it's playing piano 10 hours a day or dancing or violin or you know, that's, that's all, you know, so then it's even that much more scary to like, break it. Now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's like, it's like that, um, really hard issue. I think as a, as a parent or supporter of someone who's involved in the arts, right. You want their support. You want them to feel like they support you. But at the same time, like, cause I know my family, um, my grandfather in particular, who was like always very supportive. He loves music and he'll sit and sing. And we used to listen to opera together when I was a kid. Um, and that was one of the things we bonded over, but he also like was he, I remember him always saying, you know, oh, you need to make sure that you, you get a college degree and that you have like something else just, you know, just to have, because you never know what's going to happen. And as lovely and as sound as an, as advice that is, because it's so true, but at the same time, you're like, but I really want to focus on this like (laughs) passion that I have. And so it's like, how do you toe that line between, um, 
being supportive and also setting them up for success in life. Right. And I think it's even, there is another aspect of it that is not even what they choose to do or how they choose to prepare their option B, but internally how they kind of organize their mental life in a way that they're, they are, they have some distance. Like I think it would be helpful maybe to, show or teach those kids that yeah they're wonderful they're dedicated to this thing it's great but that's not all they are even if they dedicate all their lives to it it's like just yeah just understand just just understanding that um their lives don't depend on it um would be helpful yeah i think that's really important i think that you're right um because i i've talk to so many different like artists and filmmakers and they're like one of the best things you can possibly do and actors one of the things we used to be encouraged when I went to acting school at Stella Adler was to watch other people to pay attention to them try, spend time with people who aren't actors um, so that you get another worldview than what you see because so much of what we do is not it's not about just actors and filmmakers it's about the other people in the world and that's how we connect with them yeah and I think yeah it's true that other art other arts do it less. I mean, they think like I'm a pianist, so I need to to like learn all I can about music and, and practice. But I remember there was this film that no one knows, but I loved it. It was Shirley MacLaine in the 80s, I think. It's called <laughs> Madame Suzatska, and it's about this piano teacher. And she t- like, and she only takes like brilliant, brilliant kids. Uh, she kind of dedicates her whole self to them to make them great pianists. And there is this guy there's this like teenage guy who is really and they develop this relationship and then at a certain point she kind of tells him to be a great musician you have to also be a great person and she kind of teaches him culture and things and yeah I think I, I think Meryl Streep said it like yeah as an actor it's easier to understand that you don't only need to learn how to act you need to be in this world and absorb to enrich yourself so you have something to give so I feel think, and fall in love and you know like and fights get angry so that you understand yeah <laughs> you that's know? why it's so amazing when when a little kid can like perform that well because like where where does he bring those Past like lives. emotions Past yeah lives. Totally, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only explanation yeah so what's next yeah um so i am toying with the idea of like i'm developing um a comedy series i was gonna ask about that (laughs) if you want to tell us more you can if you want to keep certain things under wraps you can do that too it's totally up to you so yeah it's it's like all i know at this point is um it's about what really interests me is at this point in my life is love and sex and our humanity and I think uh, uh, and I I know that there's a lot of talk and shows about AI and the future Um, it doesn't interest me so much in the um, sense of the sci-fi-ish like what kind of features uh, will we have or what kind of dangers more in the sense of it's really interesting to me that AIs are in a, they are in a sense um, a way for us to see ourselves if we consider that we are too like um, potentially a simulation or we have been like we have been created somehow but uh, we have we also I'm, it's just inter- an interesting way to look at our humanity I think through the lens of a different kind of creature who is learning 
humanity or maybe reinventing it. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna explore this a little bit. And yeah, it's like, it's so funny, but like I said, like filmmaking, I see it as therapy. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm done with the getting over like the whole coming of age part. And now I'm like, all I want to do is make comedy and, and, <laughs> and fall in love and, and, you know, yeah. And, and, and I guess I always want to ask, like my interest is always kind of, um, kind of similar, but I want to look at it from a totally different lens. No, that's the perfect. joys of life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Very joyful. So, so much of what we have to experience as like when we first started sat down at the table, so much of what we experience in life, especially right now with our 24 hour news cycles and everything <laughs> else is, um, you know, terror and, fear and all of that. So focusing on joy, I think is something we all could do more of right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, mm, yes. So Mia, your feature is premiering at Soho on the 15th. Yeah. Okay. This Friday. That's great. Which and then, well, it might be, yeah, it'll be after, unfortunately, but do you have any other festivals yeah. coming up? Yet? I hope so. Yeah, I am waiting, waiting to hear for many responses. Great. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to an excuse to leave town and go somewhere cool. Yes, <laughs> right? The yeah. adventure well, of it you all. keep us posted and we'll keep all of our listeners posted yeah, on absolutely. where they can check it out. And congratulations on, yes, Thank you. on, on having a feature film that is no <laughs> small feat within itself, we know. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to see it at the end, but uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess I'm happy now. <laughs> and where can people find you online? So, well, I exist at galliabarcall.com. Um, also, Instagram, galliabarcall, same Facebook. Um, and the film site is miafeaturefilm.com. So, yep. Yeah. Perfect. Right. As always, Great. we'll put the link yeah. so that everyone can go and check out, see a trailer, which I watched today. I wanted to say real quick, I noticed when I was watching your reel that I know someone in one of your, um, in one of the things you have on your reel, which who? <laughs> Jake Blackburn, um, was in, it was like an old, it was like one of, I think it was one of your older ones where, um, you answered the door and it looked oh, like you'd been. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. yeah. I went to school. He was in my class at really? Stella Adler. Yeah. I was like, oh, such a small world. Guys, uh, really? This is why like networking is so important. Is that the festival this weekend of like, oh, there's Miranda. Oh, there's Alexandra. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, it is like a small Super community. Super exciting. But Especially. He, he, was, uh, he was great. I remember it was like a student's film and it was, he took it so seriously and oh, he yeah. brought his makeup and stuff. Like he oh, was, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was great. He was really great. <laughs> but it's a small world. So that's why it's always important to put yourself out there to meet people and yeah be a part of the community because you never know when you'll see someone you know. And you never know who is um, going to be where tomorrow. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much yeah, for sitting with for us. Thanks for talking to us. Thank Good you. luck on Friday. I'm yeah. going to be there. Yay. Yay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs>